Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the YMM Podcast. I am clearly not Totsky. Totsky, as I said last week at our... Uh, Pods without Tots. Yeah, side quest <laughs> podcast. He's been fired. He's no longer part of the podcast. Yay! This is the, this is the reboot. No, he legitimately wished he could be here tonight. <laughs> yeah, he just, he's not available. He's not fired. He just doesn't care. Steph looks somewhere. You just froze again. You crashed on us a second if time. Totsky, if Totsky is fired, I'm going to be very upset. No. I thought you were like going to be like, I'm going to be the new Tot- podcast. <laughs> Can I be the new Totsky? <laughs> so so uh, suffice to say, this is this is Tito Gillen. And with me at the table, we have... Steve Reeve. Ash Cake. Steph Link. Misha Albert. Brody Dransudavisius. Misty Oaks. Hey, yes, we have an all-star cast because we are talking Steve. about... Death Trap by Death Ira, Ira Trap. Levin. Is it Paris Ira Levin? Levin. Levin. Uh, and it is the upcoming uh, play for from Keanu Theater. We're wrapping uh, up the Theater. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the last of the four. Um, what's it about? Can someone? What? Do that? Obviously, what play? Well, actually, you know what? On Let, let's do something interesting no spoilers. here. I think <laughs> I think we can do something interesting here. So I'm I, I'm looking at the. This is just like the the pamphlet or whatnot, and I see it. Does it say that it's the longest running play on Broadway? Um, on there, I thought that was. Is it really? Longest it is. running, yeah. Longest running, Mystery. No. Longest running thriller. thriller. Thriller, sorry. Oh, I, thriller. I, I, like, I'm like, isn't that Phantom No, just it's, it's a juicy <laughs> murder. Wow. That's a musical. Phantom yeah. Does someone get murdered in a, <laughs> in a glass of juice? So, so suffice to say, um, it does, we see a bloody handprint. Can someone, as and if you're trying to adapt this into a movie, can someone from the, from the cast First crew, you cast Christopher Reeve right. in it, because it already is a movie. He was in it, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, okay. And pitch this movie to me. Christopher Reeve, Michael Caine, one house, one set. Five characters. Five, Five characters. characters. A juicy murder. In Act One. <laughs> Once. Can Joss Whedon direct it at his house? <laughs> yeah. is, is that or is it just like much What? A juicy. It is. It's a juicy <laughs> little murder. Oh. Oh. That's what they say in it, I think, don't they? I, yeah, I've yeah. only listened to the play 150 times. I think it's juicy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our yeah. Juicy it's murder. a juicy murder. Juicy murder. Yeah, no, um, speaking of Christopher Reeves, I, um, I believe while you guys were talking about the production or the going through it, that um, there's a little homage it, it to was, Mr. Reeves. Well, in. it was my, um, uh, it's funny, it's my stepdad that brought it to my attention. I knew that there was a movie adaptation, hadn't watched it, and I, I kind of didn't, uh, w- when I did the uh, um, auditions and, uh, and got the part of Clifford in the play, I uh, didn't want to do too much research into how it's been played already, just more reading the play uh, and, uh, and absorbing the, the dialogue and the material and everything. Uh, but my stepdad uh, got in touch with me. He's like, so by the way, the fact that Christopher Reeve played Clifford in the uh, uh, film adaptation of it, that's probably too easy. But in case you didn't know, that on Broadway, Kevin Conroy played the part of C- Clifford. And if nice. those uh, who don't know Kevin Conroy, he's the voice of Batman. 
from the 90s animated series. I'm Batman. So, That's so cool. <laughs> so, so there's a comic book history. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. That's and it's funny because Michael Caine also plays uh, the role... Of Alfred uh, in the <laughs> Night Trilogy. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that connection too. But um, yeah, he, um, he's mentioned in, in the play itself. In, in the dialogue of the play. Oh, Michael, and I'm Michael not sure, the actor? I'm not sure if that, yeah. I'm not, because they, <laughs> they speak about, they joke yeah. about uh, writing the play of Death Trap within the actual production of Death Trap uh. into a movie, and they joke, oh, maybe Michael Caine will have a part in it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. There's a little side story going on over here. No, Steve, they're Steve always Steve was in. just like, and his name well, is Steve Well, the script Steve was written in 1978, Steve. and the movie's 1982, so I think that... Oh, someone was intentionally trying to get Hollywood attention. It must have been in a revival, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I happened to kind of uh, look over the synopsis in um, my dictionary, aka Wikipedia, right? <laughs> uh, the other day, and uh, it's actually pretty. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's like a pretty. It's pretty meta. I was going to say that's yeah. the word. It's meta. It's it's self aware, which is one thing that I really enjoy about it. Is that it's it's. <laughs> It's something that Abed would love because yeah. it's a play within a play within a play kind of thing. So, so the the, the primary focus is two characters in 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 a house on their it's, own. Yeah. No, well, it's it starts out uh, a playwright who hasn't had very much luck with his writing lately. Sydney and his <laughs> and his uh, wife are in their house, and uh, Sydney is reading a play that's been sent to him by Clifford, and he's telling his wife how great this play is and he's trying kind of trying to figure out how he can benefit from this play so uh they invite clifford over and uh yeah that's that's how this kind of story begins and so clifford arrives at the house do you want to add anything Misha? please do well yeah and they they invite him over and they they because uh, you don't want to give too much away, yeah. as you were saying. But then Sidney decides to take it into his his idea that he would maybe like to get rid of this young playwright and take the play uh-huh. over as his own. And uh, sort of all the, the machinations that happen from that point on. And you're not quite sure what's going to happen, who's going to get killed, who's involved with the killing. There's a lot of sort of loose so threads that hang There's there. a lot of question marks yeah. over, uh, over top of the relationships between everybody. The, my, first, the my first thought when I was reading through the synopsis is it's, it's interesting because like a murder mystery plays really well cinematically or in a book, right? Because there's nuances. In, in a book, you, you know what a character's thinking because they'll write exactly what a character's mm-hmm. thinking. In a movie, there's certain uh, camera angles or focus that they do on certain characters to kind of lead the mood of... And, 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 and I can't help but wonder that, like, how does this, how does this work as a play? How do you build that tension in the a- and atmosphere on, on the stage? I think very much it's it's sort of the approach that you that you have to take with the actors. I mean, they they have to buy into the fact that it can't be languid. You can't sort of be lolling around. You know what I mean? It has to be very crisp. It has to be very um, almost curt in mm-hmm. in its delivery. And you always have to be. There's always whether you're looking at at uh, characters um, across the you know if two characters are particularly working together that there is some idea that one of them is trying to do something to the other one, and there's always a lot of mystery or uh, that's involved and you're not quite sure how they're delivering the lines or what they're trying to get at mm-hmm. so there's a lot of questioning that happens there's a lot that will also be built with with lighting and and um and sound and sound and, and there's always the foreboding storm that's a, mm-hmm. you know uh, with some power outages and so once you got the power outage, you have thriller right there you know you oh. start creeping I was going to say, yeah. open around in the dark. <laughs> so, so does that does that kind of is that kind of a device in terms of like 
<laughs> there, there's in, 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 like, I mean, obviously, I'm always gonna uh, make everything analogous to film, but like in, in film, there's always the power of the smash cut. So, in other words, when, when, when you cut away to something, there's a, a, a communication that goes there, like sudden, right? Is, is that kind of what you guys are going for in terms of like the thunderstorm and the, the blackouts and stuff? Just kind of like cut to, cut to black type stuff, and then when it, the lights come back on, you're this is, you know, something's happened, right? I'll, so I think I'll let, I'll let Steve talk to that mm-hmm. about that in, in just a second. But, I mean, when we're just sort of directing it, it's about the unexpected and the surprises mm-hmm. that happen within the play. Like, there's a lot of things that, that you're not expecting to happen, happen. So, but I will say, we don't have that ability. I mean, yes, we can have lights up, lights down, we yeah. can have lighting, but we don't have that cut, as you were talking yeah. about. So there's a lot more that's reliant on the, the actors and their ability to be able to play that and to be able to work off each other to really sort of create that tension because we don't have that, that luxury or that ability to be able to create that cut. So the actors yeah. really have to, to, mm-hmm. to sell it, I would say. There's so much similar because in, in effect, in both mediums, you're telling a visual story in front of people uh, there's just there are the limitations to both uh you know you can't have that in film you can't have that tangible aspect of having the the players uh and and the tech uh right there in front of you you know and you can actually see the sweat dripping down and, and you know you feel the, the the energy in the room and the energy from the crowd as well sometimes you get that if you're at like a midnight release of a really big movie but mm-hmm. on average i mean especially in your just your living room at home uh, go ahead, get into the cookies. It doesn't yeah, matter if it makes noise. <laughs> We're not fancy here. I should have picked the plastic <laughs> off beforehand. This is the thriller this right is here. That's <laughs> as as the much we have for the Foley studio sound effects. Speaking to the device of using the storm and, and the lights and mm-hmm. flashes, oh God. what it does le- lend to, which is similar to the smash cut, is it lends to uh, pictures. It yeah. lends to levels and, and these... these uh, Still images that turn into something, you know, in, in fluid and in motion. So at least there, it does have that capability of, uh, you know, if you take the lights away and then you bring them back, something should have changed, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's absolutely fascinating to me because I think you you just you just uh, showed where theater has a strength that film doesn't in the sense that the the energy of the crowd and and oftentimes you will find that energy if you're going to a midnight release of a big movie like the mm-hmm. big Hollywood movies the there's Lord everyone's the into it yeah everyone's the into it out. there's so much energy you're enjoying the movie and and then there's those screenings the Sunday matinees or something where you go in and unless you're you're that person completely enveloped enveloped in the story mm-hmm. if you unless you're feeling it, like that's why they yeah. say they're spectacle movies some of these right yeah. so and theater really has that power where if if the crowd is on board you mm-hmm. feel Feel that tension well, and, like with the people. So next the rest to you. of the audience feels it, of course, but it also informs what the actors are doing. So, like very often, um, as as a stage manager, my responsibility during the show is to is to um, upkeep the director's uh, vision because the directors often leave town after opening night. So my job is to upkeep the director's vision. So uh, and part of that is talking to the actors about okay, don't let the audience dictate what's going to happen on stage let them let let their energy help you get where you need to go but don't let them like the worst you know you know one of the worst mistakes an actor can make on stage is if the audience starts laughing and then they start they start like mugging to the audience and they start you know because yeah I, I'm- yes which stole the scene which did but you know uh Zenin and michelle <laughs> They just like that, right, you know, they didn't milk it for what it was worth. It was they, they controlled the scene really well. Yeah, it was it was nice and quick. Yeah, 
Yeah. When, when I was in, uh, it actually, it even almost had a mind of its own because it tried to come out of the bag in the play that I, the production that when, I saw. When I was in, uh, when I was in high school, we did a production of uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, and I played uh, uh, Teddy, one of the three brothers, the one that thinks he's Theodore Roosevelt. And there was one one of the nights, um, the, I had a I had a rifle on my back. And it fell off of me just by happenstance. I was carrying a dead body, and, and the rifle fell off. And improvising, you know, I'm like, oh, a blasted gun, blah, blah, blah. Huge laugh from the crowd, right? Second night, the, the following night, you know, it's like I try to pander to that and try to make it happen. But when you force you to, it, it's not going to read the same way, right? try to recapture that same oh, yeah, moment. I remember the, uh, the stage manager chewed me up for that, too. She's just like, don't pander to the crowd. It's it, – it, 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 they can tell, right? They can yeah. absolutely tell when it's, not, when it's forced. And when and – when- when you get so many like well it's like the wednesday matinee you know so you get all these laughs for like all the evening shows and then you get to the wednesday matinee or something and and you're like okay i'm getting out there and you do your funny thing and they don't laugh and you're like oh like looking at the crowd like come on guys and it's like okay like move on actor let's go haven't they told you the secret it's louder louder yes always be louder yeah with meaning, <laughs> with meaning. But also, I think sort of building on that too. We were talking about um, the the thunder and lava. We've got a lot of stage combat that's going on there. And uh, I mean, Brody, thank goodness. I mean, we had Paul Jelno come in from uh, Vancouver to 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 build it, but Brody's going to be running it. Uh, I mean, running it in the sense of he'll be making sure things are working. But uh, just working with the actors to create that physical tension and that physical violence between two characters, and it's hard sometimes to. To be able to create that and, and to sustain it, I think. Yeah, uh, going off what Misha said, I agree. It's a it's an interesting form, uh, stage combat, because you always want to be safe when you're performing it, but you want to keep that energy really, really high because you want to have the audience commit to your actions and your movements. So it's 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 just a lot of uh, keeping the energy up, running it, just making sure everyone's safe. I I and it, I was gonna say, and, and there's another thing where it's a, it's another major difference between how how a stunt is done on film and, and how it is in theater, because uh, you know a stunt in theater you have the one shot and mm-hmm. you have to go for it, and there's a little bit more pressure on it in that in that regard. Whereas with film, I mean, there's always the opportunity to get another take. I think there. I think uh, the attempt at making a Spider-Man musical in New York is pr- uh, proof positive of that. absolutely. They they they, they really tried too hard to mimic what the films could, showed. And it's not, you know, I mean, it's a very, very dangerous stunts were being pulled, right? So, and and hence the the failure of that production. But what what I um and kind of I enjoy about this right now is is it's it's a happy happenstance in the fact that we're currently uh, in the middle of shooting our our own uh, film right now that actually includes a fight sequence and and two of the, these two guys who are going to be fighting each other in the film are in this production of Death Trap, which I think is so amazing because essentially you guys are, are getting training by happenstance of the fact that you're involved in Death Trap. Well, right? and they, so. they complement each other, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so tell Plus, me a little bit about... I just about... like hanging out with Brody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember Ash mentioning that you were wearing a back brace of some sort. Yeah, uh, it's a, a, a spine protector, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, just it, it's, it's very similar to what like uh, motorcyclists might use to protect themselves in case of crash or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of a... Uh, as Paul was making it seem, it's pretty standard practice for the type of stunt. You know, it's just a, a safety procedure, right? A safety right, right. precaution. He's, he's like rolling down the stairs, man. Like yeah. this armadillo yeah. one, what's they call the back brace? Yeah. He's yeah. like well, rolling down head over the freaking tea kettle. He's, he's one of the go. fight masters in Canada. So, like, uh, special thanks to 
Besides directing Cameroon, you know, for like coming in to help work the workshop. Absolutely, and clearly bringing some magic out as well. I mean, uh, we we were we've been we've been working with uh, with all the rehearsals that we've been doing. We've been really bringing magic out of the dialogue and out of the blocking and everything. And uh, it's you know really every time we come to it, I feel like. I, I, maybe it's just because it's like my first uh, stage production in, in a long time since high school, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just feel like yeah, we're leaps and bounds ahead of where we were every single rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, but y we had been waiting for for Paul's visit to to really focus on on the uh, choreography and and the dance of it uh, for some of the certain scenes and some of the stunts. And uh, so it was like a whole new world opened up <laughs> when we had Paul in town and. Um, and now it's a matter of marrying it all together. Yeah, and it's it's like a added level of excitement. I know, like because I I watch all the time. Like all I do is watch, and so when you watch something the same all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, you know it's it's not that it's not exciting anymore, but it's just you know you're you're, you're watching the same thing you've seen. And I I see what Steve's saying with the leaps and bounds ahead, like every rehearsal. But then when you put the fighting in, it was like I left rehearsals. Um, this weekend like so high off of like what we had accomplished and stuff and so it's really nice to have that added level of excitement for us as well i came I home and and she nursed my wounds <laughs> well, i thought it was pretty cool when we uh, got a, a shipment of weapons into the offices <laughs> yeah and then we we're all like gathered around playing with weapons, the, eh? playing with the weapons <laughs> so it's like hot crossbow so what's the time period of this? What, what, like, I mean, seventies, the seventies, yeah, okay. yeah, seventies with uh, and the and stylistically, people had crossbows in the seventies. Well, it's I mean, it's a it's <laughs> a the setup for that. The, the the reasoning behind that is that the the older playwright he's mm -hmm. got a wealth of experience, right. and and uh, not only does he have collections from his own productions, uh, props, mm -hmm. uh, trick oh, props, real okay. props. He also just there's a line in the play that explains that he's just he's now so celebrated that he's been given gifts from the theater as well. So yeah. he's just got this. Uh, he's definitely got a predilection towards weaponry and, and dangerous kind of dark things like that. But uh, that kind of explains why he has a wealth of weaponry around. Like this, just That's it's pretty cool. Covered in in violence imagery so, in so that, in speaking that of that i heard there was a fall downstairs like uh, uh what about the stage design i mean uh how how is this one set up in different in, in variation to the what what you've done before it's, uh it's what we call a box set so um it's it's a room on stage that doesn't change uh so same as if people saw boing boing that was a box set so it's um and actually the 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 stage directions are very clear as to how this this set is set up so um our designer stacy she went through the script and picked out all the like what we needed da, 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 and then you know puts her own twist on it this is uh, this is the kind of uh kind of play and the kind of writing that uh i really think that everybody will be able to take something from it everybody will be able to enjoy it it's, it's just so fun and so it's so it's such tight writing uh, and uh, you know, there's so enjoyment on many levels. There's enjoyment in like a in brevity that and lightness. There's also enjoyment in darkness and, and violence and depravity and, and things like that. Uh, and then you uh, kind of come to this place where there's also so much in there for those who are really into uh, reading comprehension. Like as as boring as that sounds, but those who really uh, take uh, into account the structure of writing, there's little clues, there's little bits thrown into almost every single line. They're so great. One of my favorites is that just speaking to the the design of the set there's a line where um you know the young clifford uh, speaking about his first play ever he's just like did i did i overdo it with the set description like you know all the furniture yeah. in these exact places and it's totally the the author ira levin just being like wink 
Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. I, I know I overdid it with the set description. It's totally tight and you can't change it around because I want it that way. But right. he's so he's self-aware in that aspect. Ira Levin is uh, he's a novelist and a playwright. So he also wrote The Stepford Wives and uh, Rosemary's Baby. So Those fitting that we have popular. that giant poster. And yeah. and known uh, films known for their yeah. their build up of tension, right? Mm-hmm. Like all uh, both those films are are all leading to one big climax, right? So Mm-hmm. It's really no. It's it, that's really cool. I'm I'm actually I the Stepford Wives was actually adapted to to a play as well at one point, wasn't it? I feel that it it, it has been no. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Because because I feel like because I know Matthew Broderick has has done a lot of stage. So Stepford Wives the musical. Oh god, that'd be amazing. You should do that. Yeah. It's a million dollar. Alan, are you listening? So I, I mean that that's really so so in terms of uh, the artistic direction of how the set looks and like I mean in terms of the seventies are we are we going to like that really kind of contemporary seventies oh, or it's well, legit. Been, we have bell bottoms you will see bell I've bottoms been, yeah Steve's okay. Steve's like Steve's like you are going to love my bell bottoms the other day I'm like seriously you're gonna freak out he's about all allowed, the wardrobe he's not allowed to cut his hair he's not allowed to shave his chest I'm like you're turning my man into a hairy ape but that's okay it's for theater. It it was seventies appropriate. That was the, the Burt Reynolds look. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Things you do for your craft, like not doing a thing and letting your hair grow. So, so I mean, uh, okay. So obviously we know Steve's in it. Um, uh, who who else is in the cast? Uh, we have uh, Jane Jakes, and this is her first time. She's uh, she's been teaching at the college, I would say, for you know twenty mm-hmm. twenty five years. Long time mm-hmm. resident of Fort McMurray, been a season subscription holder for probably 30 years. It's the first time she's been on stage. Her husband, uh, Jim Jakes, Mm -hmm. uh, he's a judge uh, here in town. Uh, He's going to be doing it. There's um, also Sherry Duncan. She's a teacher in childhood studies. She's a Shay's mom. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. uh, At piano. And then we have Eric Dunham, who works for the bank. And he's been in a couple (laughs) of other productions. most recently, bedtime, bedtime, stories? bedtime stories. Yes, I know yeah. who he is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He played Tommy Quit. Yeah, yeah, that was such so a, cool. Such a good portrayal. Yeah, I love it. Cool. It's really cool. Like that. Like it's like teacher, judge, like banker, radio show host. Like there's a real there's a mishmash. How were yeah. how were the auditions for this one? Good. I mean, the thing. It was so interesting. I mean, there was. There's a lot. Of, and I will say casting is one of the hardest things ever to do. Like mm-hmm. you just think, Amen. oh, people show up. And, but you also want to want to. You look at different people and, and what they bring and what the skill set is that they have to be able to bring to a part. And you go and if you, the dynamics that happen and the energies that happen between different people and what you see and how you can play off. And and so it, we were very fortunate that uh, we had a, a, a very great people show up. I was going to say we had a lot of people show up. We didn't have a lot of people show up, mm-hmm. um, but we had really good people show up that would do great with the roles. So yeah. it was it was it was very efficient. I would say, and and what drew, what drew you to this project, Misha? Well, I think it's another one of these things. I did thirty nine steps, right? right? Yeah, and they go. It's like I read it, and someone told me it was a drama. A drama. <laughs> and I read it and I go, I don't understand this damn thing at all. And then someone turns to me and goes, It's a comedy. And then I read it as a comedy and I went, Oh, and Brody did that one, 39 Steps. And so this one here is Death Trap. It's a thriller comedy. Mm-hmm. And like, again, I read it and I go, I don't see the comedy. <laughs> but now that we're doing it, I see the comedy. So uh, I, I think that's, that's one of the things uh, that, that 
I it's like like morbid it. humor. That's it's, yeah. it's a little bit dark. The dark <laughs> humor that I that I like. Kind of like British. To work with great yeah, humor. it's de- it yeah. definitely is kind of in the vein of like a like a British dark. Okay, I definitely like yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like stuff. It's it, and it's and the references that they make. And it's just like really, it's yeah, biting, biting, biting good comedy. Well, I suppose like depending on who you got to could kind of really change the way that the play mm. feels too. Like because we've seen that with with film and stuff. Like depending who we get on screen, like it really changes the. Fi- I mean. A script is a script, but depending on how you read it, like you said, like you read that book like it was a drama, and you're like, I don't get it. But then when you read it as a comedy, it made sense. But if someone's like different people's interpretations of it's, things can really change. It's the way interpretation. It it's the way they walk. It's the way they talk. It's mm-hmm. the way they look around a room. It's the way that their previous life has informed what they think about certain yeah. things. You know, like it's. Every person brings such a different thing to to a character, and like I'm I'm super lucky in that I get to work with different community members all the time, and uh, I've worked with professional actors and I've worked with community actors, and the the differences are just like it's amazing. Like someone like Jane Jakes, who has never been on stage before, she brings such a different kind of uh, thing to. So like she just like she's just on stage and she's like this is going to sound really weird, but she's just listening and she's hearing everything for the first time. And she's play like, she can do that. And so lots of actors will have a hard time actually looking like they've hear they're hearing things for the first time, which seems ridiculous, but it isn't like they have a hard time sitting there and taking in other dialogue as if, as if it's new. Mm-hmm. And that's, and Jane, Jane's been doing that really beautifully. It's true. She just, she just goes into reaction and she just like sits there, she just listens and she just allows, she doesn't show you that she's reacting, which is, mm-hmm. people always want to do that when they're acting is they want to show you that they're hearing stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's a whole different kind of acting. That's a whole different, different kind of style. And, and she just sits there and just listens and allows it and informs her to make these choices. And one of the things I think that's really cool is that Jim and Jane are married. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? So I was going, there's no acting required here. Well, no, I was going to give away too much of the play. Yeah. <laughs> Stop right there. Let's and I said, there's no acting. It's a different kind yeah. of relationship yeah. than they have. It's a little bit life. different than I think they, well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but uh, anyways. I guess we'll be let in on the joke when we see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they've, yeah, and, they're, and you know, they've been married for a certain amount of time. And, and I said, there's certain things you don't even have to think about because you're just with, you're in a relationship with someone and it's just, it's a given, right? It's already you there, have, yeah. You relationship with someone well I guess that's what piano theater company really prides itself on is that we are a volunteer company of community members um, you know it's it's real people real stories real performances and and we we do we always want people to join us we are not just a company of actors everyone becomes an actor once we tackle a script and create a project together but you y- not everyone who walks in the room is an actor first. And yeah. certainly we don't necessarily even want. The, yeah. You're almost yeah. slipping into some uh, <laughs> some John Lovitz there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, and that's so important to know is like, it's funny because um, I've mentioned to like a few people that I know that Steve's going to be in a play and stuff. And they're like, oh, cool. Well, like that must be easy for him because he's in radio, right? Like, so he just like uses voice acting all the time and stuff. So he's pretty much an actor as it is. And I'm like, um, that's actually publicly to save my life. I know. I'm like act on stage, but please do not make me do a public speech. (laughs) But it's like, that's total BS. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
Well, because uh, well, I mean, just speaking from my own experience, I'm sure there's some skill sets that are that are oh, of course, there's transferable. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm like, I know breathing technique, and and you know, I know how to speak from the diaphragm, and like, there's all these things, and I do have some limited. Uh, you know, uh, uh, drama, high school drama acting uh, experience and things like that. But ultimately coming into first rehearsal and every rehearsal since, like, I don't consider myself an actor because I don't have formal actor training. Mm. I just consider myself a player coming to try and play this story out. And uh, and I, I would honestly, I, I consider myself in a better position uh, just from my perspective than somebody who is an actor. Yeah, I, and we're always storytelling. That's our key and that's cool. that's what I'm in love with story. about it all. But that's like humanity. Like that's what humans are all about. We're all about creating our story and telling our story. And I mean, you might be reading someone else's, but like it's so cool to be able to put yourself in that position. And like there are so many people who are like, oh, man, yeah, I would love to be in a play. And I'm like, go do it. Like how do you – how are you ever going to know – if you can do it, unless you actually go out there and audition, I'm like, it's not scary. Well, These are like the nicest people I ever met in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's, if it's the whole thing about yeah, the director screaming at you. I don't know. I don't work that way, so it's like. No. But you know, like some people have these ideas. Uh, but Misha, you did nearly deck Jim with a <laughs> script once. That's so funny though, but it's like, but you can't yell it. Use it. The no. community, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I, I mean, it is, it's a very welcoming environment, and I think. That, but it, it was, it was. I think it, it, I always think of Jane when Jane said, "She goes, you know me," and she's a teacher, right? And she goes, "This is so outside my comfort zone, but I'm going to do it, and I want to do it, and just mm. to see." That, that ability to take those steps. You yeah. Know? Because for some of us, it's as you said, you know, you can't public speak or whatever. And some people, to get out there and for them to do a big thing, like to go out and do play is like a huge thing. It for is. people, it's like, oh, yeah, I have no problem with that or whatever. Mm. But we yeah. all have our, our limits that we push and to see that in the growth. And that you have this this incredible, crazy, freaking support network. Because mm-hmm. if you sit there, we've got these all, all these actors, and then we've got we've got people coming in from Vancouver. We got Brody, we got, you know, Steph, we've got Melissa building costumes. We got Stacy coming in professional lights, all this stuff that's done and the support that happens and just you just watch and you're just in awe. But then there's of how the support we don't see, right? There's there's yeah. everyone's partners helping yeah. them run lines at home, people's families cooking dinner. You know, all that stuff affects how we how we run a show and how a show becomes successful. Well, I mean, someone's family life could change the whole show for them, right? Like, I mean, if they're not being supported at home, how are they going to get up on stage? And mm-hmm. and that's another one of the biggest differences between film and theater because you do it you do it every day. Professional actors do do shows eight times a week, eight yeah. eight days eight times a week. They they do shows. So like, so they come in and their cat. Like, I did a show where my cat went missing, and I was the assistant stage manager, but like. I came to work and I wasn't feeling good, obviously, and like couldn't find my cat and I was really upset and my boyfriend didn't care. And I like and and I was in the I was in, you know, doing stuff and some of the actors were like, what's wrong, Steph? Like, how are you doing? And like it just changed that whole performance for like a couple of performances for me. And that happens with actors all the time. And that like a testament to a a really great um, theater actor is uh, is being able to kind of, you know, take take their experiences and like mold them into what they need to use to to put on the best show possible did you find the cat 
cat came back. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, he didn't come back. I had to go. Yay. I had to go find him. Yay! I'm glad you found yeah, him. I, found him. I put up, I put up signs. So when you put Aww. up signs, sometimes nice people call you and they mm. say your cat has been living under my deck for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Please get rid of it. Well, I mean, I, I guess the other question is, you guys are following up. What you know, usually the 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 Lemiz of every every season has kind of its its big like bring in the crowd show right and lemis kind of was considered that one for this season and your your play kind is kind of considered kind of yeah <laughs> um it's it's a stark contrast because it's it's not a musical right oh. it's it, it, and and There's i no ensemble i personally i like that it, it, uh, my personal my personal personal preferences would be have a flavor of everything and then that way you know it expands the viewer or the the watcher yeah. etc but i mean d- does that hang over you guys at all or are you guys just saying screw it this is this is our production this is how we're taking it on well each story that we tell as a theater company throughout a season is different for a reason like those choices are made to sort of balance out uh you know, maybe there's a social message behind each different show that we're trying to portray, or whether um, we're trying to engage a larger um, audience. With a show like Les Mis, uh, we had a great opportunity to put 10 children in the cast. Um, you know, obviously, shows don't necessarily involve children all the time. Um, but I think each show definitely has its own subculture. Um, as much as we're all part of a larger theater uh, company, each show sort of becomes their own family. Mm. Well, yeah, and you totally see that with the Les Mis crowd, too. Like, everywhere that I go now, it's like, for, like, events that have been happening around town, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I know that that, like, that whole group of people were all in Les Mis, and, like, everyone hangs out like a little family now, and you see them, like, posting on each other's Facebooks well, and you're, stuff. You're like sharing, like, over 200 hours of time. Oh With yeah, yeah. People, right? So. And when you do when you do a show, uh, and I, I'm just going to speak as the stage manager who does every show of the season, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, every new show is new. Mm-hmm. You put away the you put away the show, yep. and you you put away you put one show to bed, and you wake up another one, and you and it's like of course, like my experiences from other shows inform me, but I don't let. I don't let a success or a failure or a, or whatever from a past show inform what I'm what I'm doing in the next show. The next show is its own baby. It's my it's another baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just another baby. Well, they're also different, and they're also different. And like you can't lo- like you know mothers say they don't love one child more than the other. Like it's a, it's the same with that. Like you you may have had completely different experiences. Like I've done shows where I was like I'm sure glad that's over, and I've done shows <laughs> where I'm like oh my god I wish I, I could have run that for another two months. But you know, you put it you put it to bed at for a certain yep. point, and then you and you wake up the next one, and you do it as a brand new thing. It, it's rather interesting that you would mention that. There's uh, there's also a, a, a very similar theory with film, and in, in that um, you know how it, there was even up to recent there's there's been that kind of whole fad or or idea of doing director's cuts or prequels or, you know, more sequels that are, or side stories, etc. And there's a, there's a huge group of like filmmakers that are very much like put it to bed. Like they, they feel, they very strongly feel George Lucas should have stopped with the three movies. He shouldn't have gone for six. There should never have been a director's cut of a, a, et cetera. Right. And the reason is because 
the Hobbit shouldn't have lasted. Well, I, I mean, and, and, and there's <laughs> and, and it just, just like you mentioned, it's like you have to at one point say, you know, this is this is the good. This is the bad that I took from this project. This is how I'm going to move forward with it. But it, this is something entirely new in its own beast. And I think you kind of have to do that. Otherwise, yeah. you could drive yourself crazy, honestly, mm-hmm. if you carry the baggage of previous shows with you. I mean, whether that's good or bad, right? Because it could either set the tone for the, yeah. Well, then you have to have, well, I always say you have to have the big money makers that, that can get you through the other, the other <laughs> shows that might not sell as well. Because I think part of the season and part of, especially uh, uh, when you're in a smaller center, is that you try to have a season that that has classics for people, but also broadens their horizon. And that there's shows in there that they might not see or that they haven't heard before or that should be brought to the stage. And, and sometimes those are risky. And there's some, there's just smaller casts or whatever, but I think that's that's why you have the big shows. But you go, you're also doing this show for the merit that it has. So mm-hmm. each show, as we we're saying, is individual and what and what mm-hmm. you want to take from it and what what it will give. But I mean, that's why we have seasons is so that we can expose our our subscription holders to various various. Oh, and and, and, I, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I think that it's a very smart move in terms of. Um, basically, try like you said, it, trying to expand the horizons of, of the theater goers, right? And and you know, you might have that one person that says, "Oh, well, I'm not really into these big musicals, etc." And then they might watch something like Death Trap, mm. and they're like, "Hey, this is this is more my That's speed. This is me, something yeah. I, would, yeah. I would want to be part of." Uh, I know a good example is uh, Nolan Hawkness, who's a re- pretty talented writer, and he uh, he submitted films to these 48 hour challenges, etc. And he always always tends to submit pieces that have these very like serious undertones oh they're brilliant yeah yeah and and unfortunately unfortunately for him um the the crowds tend to go for the Mm -hmm. for for the for the the comedic and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with enjoying a good comedy but his work i honestly think like if if i were nolan or if if nolan listens still listens he's gone now (laughs) (laughs) screw him no (laughs) he's having a pint in Kelowna. Yeah, no, um, I think Nolan, Nolan's strength would lie in not doing 48-hour challenges. I think he should really try to do a serious piece even if he, he has did, the talent for it. Even if he did 48-hour mm. challenges, maybe, like, the, the thing is, like, with our 48-hour challenges, like, people will try and get a laugh out of a 48-hour challenge as much as they possibly can because the more you can entertain someone in, like, the smallest amount of time possible, comedy is always a really good and, way and to go. And that's the goal of the competition. It really right? is so, the goal of the competition. Like the, but if what wins the crowd over. And, yeah. More often than not, a serious uh, piece takes... Uh, not that it's, not that it's uh, you know, to be held in, like, a lower or higher regard than any other form, but oftentimes it just is built slower. It's yeah. built on, on, on more meticulous layers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, and like, uh, especially for the crowd at, that were watching a couple of Nolan's pieces, they just weren't really grasping, like, what he yeah. was trying to I, say I, I, because I, it was can, such a short spot, amount of time. Yeah, You can spot the pupils in the crowd of the people who do connect. Yeah. You know? a, a good example, I think, in, in terms of theater is a play like um, Death of a Salesman. It's not for everyone. A lot of like a lot of people I know I, when we studied it in school, a lot of people found it so boring, right? Yeah. But it's really a thoughtful piece, mm. right? It's very, it, you know, it's very engaging in terms of like it's it's depressing, right? Like yeah. you're just like, oh man, this is just like depressing because mm-hmm. it's like the the American dream crushed, right? And and uh, I feel like pieces like that are really poignant, but and but they demand so much from their cast and for, and their directors. I mean, like how do you get those performances because without your actors kind of being uh, got to ham it up a little, right? Like I mean, I like uh, for example, I using that same example, I mean the role of Biff 
kind of allows itself to be a little bit more hammy than others because it's kind of the I'm trying to show off type role. Do right? you think but Russell Thomas played when they did it? I know, I know. So, yeah. In fact, that's the production I did see, right? That's really funny. And I mean, but the thing is, you know, then you have Russell, T- I mean, you, I saw him in that and then I saw him in Le Mis and he's, you know, the whole Master yeah. of the House sequence. It's mm-hmm. like, it's perfect for that, right? Yeah. So well, and 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 it's you know that's an example of like bringing something from the past, mm-hmm. you know, letting it inform a little bit. But that's like a piece of something informing a piece of something in- instead of the whole of something informing yeah. the whole. Yeah. Uh, like I, I wanted to say that um, it, it's in relation to writing actually because it's from uh, a Stephen King, King book called On Writing. Um, uh, but it's one of my favorite metaphors, and, I, and it applies to, to the creation of art in so many different ways. He, he says it's it's not so much to, to think about writing something or, or, or making something come together as building, as construction. It You should look at it more as excavation. What you're doing is you're, you're taking layers away and discovering what's underneath. Yeah. Exactly, and and it's not it's not so much you know the Tower of Babel. It's more uh, like just think of dinosaurs. You're you're pulling a, a dinosaur skeleton and learning about it as you go, and then once that is ex- exhumed and dusted off and polished up and thrown up for display for public consumption, then you move on to the next site. You're doing yeah. exactly the same thing, but it's going to be completely different. Yeah, it's because yeah, uh, you it's, don't keep digging after you found the whole dinosaur. Yeah. It's it's funny because uh, Stephen King actually. Um, he talks yeah. about how he 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 loved he loves Carrie. He 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 thinks mm. it's one of his own best works. He almost threw it away because he uh, his his wife actually was like, "You were onto something here." He wrote the first scene where like the whole thing is like, "Plug it up, plug it up," yeah. and 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 he threw it away. He's like, "What the fuck am I doing writing this?" And his wife found it, and she's like, "You're onto something here. You need to keep going with this story, right?" And so he did. But the the what what he what upsets him though is. He was on so many substances at the time that he wrote Carrie. He doesn't remember the entire process, and oh, it kills him. He's it's it's like you were saying. It's like you you have that excavation, but then he buried it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. man, that yeah. sucks. So uh, going back to Death Trap, yeah. <laughs> um, I see there's a bloody hand. So any are there any visual uh, like special effects that are, yeah. are involved in this? This is my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Who's well, going to talk to that? Well, I, We're I don't know. I heard about a crossbow. Who wants to give away plot points? Yes, no, no, there's no. um, there's there's definitely some special effects stuff. We when we were in production meetings, we have a heading called special effects, and we talk about special effects. But anyways, so like there's a there's some weaponry obviously we've talked about, and some um, some weaponry that's used. So uh, so all the effects of those of that weaponry. Uh, uh, have to take effect on stage. <laughs> oh wow! And that's what I will say. Oh okay. And so that's all I think that we should say because I don't think that we should give it away for anyone. No, no, absolutely. You don't, you don't want to give away the. No. Was how, there any how anything's used? Any or? danger in practicing? There's um, Brody can probably talk more about this, but there's we are anally uh, uh, safe about what we do on stage all the time. And Ms. Brody, you want to... Yeah, that's like the main key in fighting. Like there's two main rules. There's uh, the fact that you should be safe at all times and the fact that you also really want to look cool. So it's balancing <laughs> those two acts, mm-hmm. right? There, there's always the the looming... I don't, I don't even want to use the word threat because that's got too much connotation to it, but there's the looming chance, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Looming possibility of danger, which you try to eliminate oh, to yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. As much as possible, exactly. Just like tons of rehearsal and tons of, and you know, uh, often, you know, you'll be on, on, uh, in the rehearsal hall or whatever with an actor and they'll be doing something and an actor will go, you know what? Like I, I got a, I got a knee thing and I, I just can't, I just don't think that I'm going to be able to do this. And, and 
it's in my in my time doing this what happens when that happens is the is the director or fight choreographer or whatever goes oh you got anything great Kate we're gonna change it we're gonna do this instead no one ever like is the safest environment to be in mentally emotionally and physically because you just we the the fight director almost looks at it as a challenge. They're mm-hmm. they're like, oh, okay, so you can't do that, Kate. Well, let's we won't do that then. Obviously, we're going to do this instead. And you this just kind of like tailor it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a testament to the comfort level of uh, of the group working together because, uh, you know, there are there have been incidents happen because people are like, oh no, like a uh, big famous example is like every actor says that they can ride a horse. And it's because yeah. they have the part, right? So. Yeah. Well, a key, <laughs> that like a key to well, fight choreography is you always have to be ready and you always have to respect your partner and ask them if they're ready for you. Yeah. That has to happen. It's, yep. it's more of a dance than a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And, and a dance needs to have communication between partners. Of course, yeah, there's always a there's always a risk that there you know could be injury or whatever, but uh, we try to minimize that as much as possible especially since these actors have to they have to be able to do this every time we perform like it's not it like you can't at some point an actor can't come to me five minutes for the show and go like you know i i was messing around i was messing around uh backstage and i and i didn't i didn't make eye contact and uh yeah i smashed my arm so i'm not gonna be able to do that thing it's like okay like thanks like (laughs) 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 So they need to they need to always be you know careful of what so they're no with their bodies. No so so <laughs> tell, uh, t- uh, you mentioned the eye contact and and we've spoken about this before, Brody. Did, did, like, could you elaborate a little bit more about the the importance of eye contact when doing stage combat? Oh, it's it's the communication is the doorway between the partners, right? Because you can tell immediately when people are out of sync, like in the dance, as Steve was talking about, and they're when they're not making eye contact because they're not moving together, not breathing together. That's when things get dangerous, right? The eyes. That's what lets you know. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right, we're both ready. All right, let's go. Okay. Right? <laughs> that's uh, how like that's how it works, right? And you need that. You need that energy. You need that. You need that connection between the partners right absolutely you, you, you totally do you, you need to be kindred in a little way uh during you know that part uh that scene that that moment uh and uh geez i'm losing my train of thought here uh, j- uh to build on the the eye contact it's not even just that so much as it is uh you know a, a full communication full awareness uh, and that's not just with the partner but, but awareness of 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 uh, the place that you're in of, of, of you know dangers and the more aware you are of uh, all the different things that could possibly happen the more that you can avoid them and also through that awareness that's where the storytelling comes from yeah like in the aspect every little move every little twinge that you do in a fight that it's it implies for the greater picture of what's yeah. going on like who's who's the stronger one who's got the more confidence that all that all is it reads yeah fight, right well if you think about just somebody standing there and making a hand gesture that 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 gives you one little piece of of uh, communication that's nonverbal, but then you think about a fight. It's it's action, 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 action. Each mm-hmm. one of those tells that same amount of story, uh, that same amount of intention as the just the simple hand gesture while somebody's standing there in the middle of an aside. From a from a director's standpoint, I mean, does, is that you does that pre- I'm playing footsies with? Sorry. <laughs> uh, does it pre- does it present a unique <laughs> challenge for you, or is it just is it just helping you in what you're trying to do? 
Um, I think as an actor, there's many different ways to get in. And um, I always talk to the actors and I say, you got to be in your body and you got to be able to have connection to the floor and you got to have connection to your space and you got to have connection with the other actors. And yes, eye contact is a big thing about that, but it also has to do with breath and it has to be able to, you just understand what the other person's moving and, and, and what they're giving you because you have to receive and you, it's a give and take, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, as I say, it's always like a dance. So, I mean, even the stuff that you do in the, in, in the fight is carried over to even if you're doing just an acting scene and you're sitting across the table, you're still working on those levels, right, of, 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 having, that, of having that awareness and, and what's going on. Um, but the thing that I also find is, is it's and, and having done uh, stage combat, and it's one of those things, too, is that you have to be really, really comfortable in what you're doing because if not, it, it, it's... Sometimes you go, just walk from A to B and say your line. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I, I can say my line, but I can't walk. Or I can walk and I can say my line. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's always about layering. And then all of a sudden, we're layering on the stage combat. And there's another thing that, that, that you have to do, that you have to think about, that you have to be aware of. And um, I was just going to say about, about the, the, the stage combat is that you have to be really comfortable with that because if you're, not, if you're not up to the point where you are and you're having that connection, it will, it will affect you right from the beginning of the play, even before you set on stage because you go, in Act 2, on page 47, I have this fight that I have to do that I'm, that I'm stressed out about, right? And it's so it has to be, and there has to be that building and that and that practice and that comfort that happens, so that when you get on, you just I, I say press play, but you get on and you just go and you just ride it, and every moment happens. Every moment happens. You're not thinking about the that's happening six six pages ahead or five minutes ahead. You're just riding the line, and then the fight happens, and boom, you ride it. It's done, and you move forward. It's taking that path. Does right? this play? Uh, I mean, there's got to be energy that's just flowing back and forth between these actors, leading to a fight, and even after the fight does this play lend itself to that energy in terms of like after the fight like can can those can those performances be tailored to to like i i i i wanna i wanna I, without sounding too hippie-ish i mean kind of expel that energy in a, in a manner which is believable to the crowd without our uh, with the actors being like okay but, and then my next line <laughs> but, but, but i think i think that's the understanding that yeah. you have to realize that you have to know that you've just done a fight and yeah. you are breathing heavy yeah. and you yeah. are spitting and exactly. you are like sweating you can't go yeah, and sit I, there and go oh i'm fine everything happened that fight did not happen but we're still having it you live in that moment of having that exchange mm -hmm. which feeds you on the next part of the scene that you're going to do so you come out of that fight and and it's interesting because we'll go to certain things and I'll go when we were rehearsing I go okay uh, that's the fight uh, Paul will work on that Brody will work on that when they come let's pick it up after right and so they, they kind of put themselves in positions after the fight and then they get up and they start doing it then we said okay so we got the fight in and then I got them to do the lines afterward and it was like they're kind of they're going, <gasps> and they're sweating and I go there's the scene right there it's mm -hmm. like do you know what I mean it's like it, 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 instead of working in isolation you have to it, everything has to have sort of a marriage and work together yeah no that, I, and I find that so fascinating because you know again uh, f th th that is one of the luxuries that film actually doesn't have right and it, a lot of times you have to film things in certain sequences and and sometimes you'll 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 do a fight scene one day and then the next the next day it's the day after the fight scene or whatever and you have to keep that energy and how do you keep that momentum well and, and that's the thing so that, uh, that Steph was saying you're doing eight shows a week right and you're doing your matinees and all that stuff and the worst are totally different and I will say yes we try to do every show the same but it mm -hmm. is just different because the energy is different and we just are different and our cycles are different and mm -hmm. times of the day. Um, but the thing is, though, when you do a film and, and you get that moment, you mm -hmm. as the director got that moment and it's in the can, 
they never have to recreate that moment again. It's there. Yeah. As the actor who's working on the stage has to find that eight times yeah. a week, right? Oh, no, you know absolutely. I mean? Or twice in a day. Oh, no, yeah. And so, like, I mean, that's, I think, one of the, the beautiful things about I, I love about, about film acting is that once you're, it's in the can, it's there. <laughs> so I like that. It's you know safe. It is. No, it, it is. It is. It's true. But, you know, then you've got you know, those issues with continuity when sometimes yeah. like scene happens afterwards and there's no energy afterwards yeah. or 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 there or there's too much energy or uh, for whatever reason. But, yeah, I mean, I have I have such respect for those that that can do that on a stage. I mean, I've said it myself, I've, o- I've only been on stage when I was in high school. And even then I did. I was apprehensive. The only reason I did it was because like my uh, my drama teacher was like, you're going in a play this year. You, you don't have an option at this point. <laughs> that was like, for me the second time. <laughs> <laughs> in high school play. Why didn't you audition? You're actually in it already. I'm like, ah. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. No, I, I like. Uh, there's that whole stage fright factor that it's it's crippling for a person like me, right? I, but I wonder that because someone, asked, I think it was Russell was we were doing an interview the other day, and he goes, "Well, how are they doing about stage fright?" I don't even ask them about that. Like, I don't even think. Like, Steve, how are you feeling about that? Maybe you want to say or don't want to say. Well, that. No, I was uh, no. The um, are for me, uh, I. I it's it's just part of my pathology where uh, like th- that it's the type of thing that actually makes me like uncomfortable to approach completely but i'm the type of person that i like to uh, uh, i've never gone skydiving i've never you know ridden a motorcycle at 200 miles an hour i've never white knuckled anything in that respect you know i've done safe ferris wheels and and, and you know amusement park <laughs> rides but i've never really like done anything that's actually really daring because because I get that rush from this kind of thing, from throwing myself into a project, uh, into a role, into uh, just a frame of mind. Uh, and and regardless of what anything else that's going on in the brain, anything else that's going on in life, uh, you know, you kind of have to push it down, push it to the side for a moment and then just dive into it. Uh, and, uh, and so coming from that... Um, Going into it, I'm very apprehensive. Coming out of it, I'm I feel you know um, rejuvenated in certain ways. You know, I I, I don't want to say that uh, stagnation is kind of a thing that's happened, but uh, y- you know, I've been living in a radio world for several years now, and, uh, and you know, certain things have changed at a certain slow pace and everything like that. But but I still felt that there's something uh, you know that was uh, that that I had more of a grasp of uh, in in myself from those high school days, from doing the the high school productions and, and putting yourself out there in that respect. And it hasn't been until the last a few years, um, first really starting off with Tito and Hypertonic Media, with uh, jumping into the podcast and jumping into short films and everything like this. And this is another chapter in that, just jumping into the stage production. It's uh, I feel like I'm getting some of those th- those aspects of my own psyche and my, and my own thought uh, process back, and and the stage combat is a huge part of that too because it's just new challenge. How do you approach that? You learn what you should do, what you shouldn't do, some steps, but then uh, ultimately a lot of it comes from just doing it and then doing it again and again and again. And all actors approach all actors approach it differently. Like you'll see you'll see the actor who closes their dressing room and doesn't let anyone in and when you, and you have to approach them very carefully and like and it's a it's it's a bit of the art of the art of the assistant stage manager is really in approaching actors backstage and learning those actors beats um because there are some actors who will literally be like hey man like where are we gonna go for a beer after because like i just need to get like as soon as we're done here we're going to the bar okay and then they go on stage and like cry and cry and die like a painful death and like are beautiful actors and they come off stage like i'm thinking that i'm thinking we'll go to the brew house you know because like and then there's the actor who literally locks himself in their dressing room literally can't talk to anyone and comes out and like walks to a corner and stands there till they have to go 
on stage and then like walks on stage explodes and then goes back <laughs> changes their costume and then sits in their dressing room again like and and then there's the actor who like reads their lines constantly backstage and if you break the flow well that's it like you know so like it is the art of the assistant stage manager and that art that art gets forgotten about a lot yeah. a lot and i try to talk to my 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 asms about it all the time like okay like this is how this person works and you have to be respectful of that of this is the way this person works you know steph finally figured out that i brush my teeth as soon as i get backstage (laughs) it doesn't i'll walk up and down the hallway the audience will know i I brush my teeth when i first get to Mm -hmm. the call time and uh (laughs) i thought it was interesting when you asked me one day i was like yeah you've seen me do it every day but I guess you just, you processed it finally. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a ritual? No, I, I don't actually have a ritual. I would say I have a little bit of everything. Kind of. Just goes into the dressing room in front of the mirror. You're a big fucking stuff. Oh my God. I can, I can kind of relate to that too because there's definitely been days from rehearsal and like Ashley, you've probably witnessed the, the, the levels that I come home from, you know, like some days I come home and I'm just in myself, completely withdrawn, kind of like... Oh, yeah. Uh, there have know, been days where you come home and I moments. can't even talk to you for like 20 minutes. But, and, you just like, sit just, down and you're you like, know, we, we, like on your We phone. interact, but I'm just kind of like, like processing it, processing it, still processing it. And you're then there's other like, times I'm when here, I get home and it's the <laughs> complete opposite. I am that, uh, you know, let's go to the brew house, let's party. Like, you know? Touching upon like what we were talking about earlier, it's that whole like di- different days of different energies. And that's what it is. And you just have to embrace what you're feeling that day and use it for the performance and that's what I like doing I like taking what you've got in hand and going with it you know yeah it's interesting uh, I'm, I'm actually doing a management course right now and uh, part of what they're talking about is recognizing when you're on and when you're off and the thing is we we the the problem with that is we always know when we're off because we, people will tell us right but when we're on that's that's what we really need to kind of attach ourselves yeah. to a lot of people don't realize when they're on when they're like you know they're jazzed and they're getting everyone else's energy going you're not you don't make a mental check of checking for it because everything's going so smoothly that yeah. you're not re- but if you can recognize the tell signs of when you're on you can create the conditions right and yep. it's kind of like the whole thing of how you should approach projects or acting or directing etc it's just like recognize what are your triggers that put you in that on phase because you know uh, th- th- they say the biggest the biggest uh, parasite to an artist artist is is procrastination and it's so easy to fall into that slump for some people we were having that talk the other day hey about procrastination and i was like could you imagine what the world would be like if people didn't procrastinate like our world would be this fantastic crazy awesome place where like you know like people would just be like doing everything they've ever wanted to do all the time but people don't (laughs) i mean i'm one of them there's like a pile of costumes back there that aren't finished yet because but i mean uh, you know uh the even even going into this production uh misha i mean you must have uh, i mean whenever i see you, you're always so high energy i'm like how do you do it how do you keep that up all the time it's just who you are he <laughs> just lives up just there. goes home i'm just amazing really, tito <laughs> just is really quiet so cool. no, I don't, I, yeah I, and it's funny like it's uh, some people go, he's the chief of these. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I don't want to be hanging out with you. 
I, I I love it. I honestly and and I think like your energy is infectious. It's it's if if you're around the right people, like whenever we're in meetings for other stuff, whenever you 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 kind of come in and throw in your two cents, it gets me so jazzed up to kind of express opinions and stuff. And it, yeah, it's just well, yeah, yeah, you're really excitable on this podcast. Actually, I noticed it a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. Well, part <laughs> part of the reason is because Todd's not here, and he usually like <laughs> talks over everyone. <laughs> yeah, have you noticed? We love of, you, Todd. Of like, we miss you. Please get well soon. I've actually managed to get some words in today. Oh my god, is he nice. ill? No, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, just so you know, Steph is genuinely concerned yeah. about you. <laughs> Todd, as soon as you hear this podcast, call me because I'm worried about you. <laughs> this is hilarious. like intervention, but, but uh, okay. So, so let's let's talk a little about what's going to. What is the hook to get some of these people in the seats to go? I mean, you've got my ticket. I've already bought oh, it. I'm, yeah. I'm like front and center. But like, how how do we get? How do you entice the uh, the community of Fort Murray to come to Death Trap? It's a thriller. It's a thrill ride. It's thrilling. And, uh, you're gonna see. You're gonna see five great characters. Each individual character. We're all so different. To this crossbows. Like, come on. There's, 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 handcuffs. No, it's the handcuffs. handcuffs. Oh, I'm the handcuffs. The handcuffs. Is there a whip? No, oh, there's no whip. We gotta get a whip. Yeah. <laughs> let's throw it in. Stacy, we're getting a whip. Just SFX. You know, there's there's action. There's there's that morbid humor. So there's there's gasping and laughing sort of all at the same time. I love uncomfortable dark humor. Mm. Like, I love it. I totally get off on that kind of thing. And, and I love seeing it in other people, too. Uh, you know, there's that saying that laughter is the window to somebody's soul. You can, you can really tell kind of how they tick to, as to what they laugh at. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly really looking forward to seeing them, some people out in the audience and, and whether they know that they're, you know, uh, a certain going to react a certain way to certain things or not. I can't wait to hear that, you know, uh, coming from people and like kind of get that connection with uh, what made this section of the audience laugh and what made this section of the audience laugh and that's uh, uh, this this show is really one start. it's one of the show one of these shows where uh, you have no idea well, we really don't know where they're gonna laugh like I I, I have some ideas of where people mm. are gonna laugh just from experience but like you know uh, we don't really know like because because there's gonna be different subsections of people will get different things and and like if you were alive during the 70s you might you know get different things than if you weren't alive in the 70s or if you weren't aware in the 70s you know mm -hmm. what I mean so uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of that too it's not like um, boing boing we kind of we could kind of tell where they were gonna laugh because they were just gonna keep laughing the entire show but right. uh, with a thriller like this you know there's little sections and there may be like I'm always the one in an audience who like who like something happens like and then like no one else laughs and then like <laughs> I can be that way too yeah. I know and then I'm like oh was that not funny and I feel like I have to explain it to people and then they're like well it's not funny if you Expl have to explain it explanation you know? is the death of comedy yeah right? so then like so but this will be one of those shows where you'll be on stage and someone's gonna start laughing and you're gonna go like really okay <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> but, what but is it, wrong with you this is uh <laughs> there's it's gonna be me this isn't <laughs> this isn't murder she wrote you know like this isn't stuffy 70s this isn't uh, dated kind of stuff uh, this is uh, this is definitely uh, even though the setting is definitely in the 70s even though you know uh, there's there's a rotary phone which kids won't even know what that is rotary you know phone. <sighs> exactly I'm so excited yeah. to see there one. is a rotary phone <laughs> prop and that is just gonna blow people's minds but um, <laughs> we have like 15 of them up in the prop shop yeah, <laughs> can I just go fire. play with them? That's Oh yeah, 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 fire! Whoa. Special it, effects, but fire. Like, 
with all this oh. antiquity, like th- it's very contemporary. I oh, find. He's very upset. <laughs> We've given it all away. It's there's all a fire. exposed now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the magic. The magic. Okay, you know, you know. Actually, actually, no, no, no. You know what we should do is. Where you got where you say there's a fire, we should get Todd to cut like just go beep of a fire. You know so what? we're all like, whoa! <laughs> you know what? I'd just like to say yeah. something about this whole this whole. No, Todsky always says he's gonna edit things out of this thing when he I does. Never does. He, he never does. He never does. No. He's like, see, Miss Saigon. Why do you, Why do you think I'm always so careful about what I say <laughs> on the like, podcast? He's like, oh, don't worry, we can we can just we can edit we can that be, out. Let me just like, write this note. Draws. He doesn't even edit out the part where he says he'll edit it out. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't even edit that out. Yeah. Like, don't worry, I'll edit that out, and it makes it in the final. Well, what well, you have to do is make him culpable. So, so whatever you say has to be in unison with something he reveals, so that he has to cut it. Right, out. Todd. Right, right. Todd, I am quite concerned about your well-being. I, I love you very much, and I'm just saying that because it's true. It is Aww. true. Um, just He's to got speak, his own prerogative. It's true. It's very true. Uh, just to speak to the fire, though, that, that's one of the things that uh, when, one of the first rehearsals uh, when we saw the the not the actual set, but the taped out areas where things would be the set pieces and walls and things would be so we kind of had an idea of where to play things and the blocking uh, and and Steph said to me she's like I, yeah I don't know we're, we don't know if we're gonna just have some light effects uh, we don't know if we're gonna have a real fire and then when I found out there's a real fire like everybody's so excited about it I can't <laughs> wait like we're the actors in the back are like snooping around where the fireplace is in the set and we're like how's this gonna work is there gonna be smoke in the audience like what is gonna go on and it's just so exciting I can't wait to see there's it. no disco ball though Oh, oh not there is warnings, you know this, this, yeah. this, but no disco ball. Alan, no disco ball. Alan put it in his lighting plan. He always says he's going to. I wanted a disco ball. Uh, oh, did well. you talk to him about it? No. Oh, Maybe no. I'll bring it up. I'm sure there's one somewhere. Yeah, I think you should. Somewhere. Well, we have we have a disco ball. I mean, oh, there you go. Every. You cannot be a theater company without a disco ball. You're Tito. Tito. Uh, and you guys could do it Just get disco balls. Oh. Yeah. Actually, I, I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you that in auditions, but I can force four wheel skate. Uh, nice. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great play. I mean, it, it won a Tony Award for Best Play in 1978, and it is Broadway's longest running thriller, and, and there's a reason for that. You know, Misty's got notes. It's fantastic. Misty's got notes, everyone. Just so you know. She's not even checking them, though. <laughs> I know. I know it is. I adore you. You're so crazy. let's let's talk about uh, the opening. So it's going to be opening April the 25th. Shows are the 26th, the 30th, May 1st through the 3rd. Uh, shows start at 8 p.m. You can get your tickets where, Misty? Uh, www. Yes, you still can type that in. But Wait, you don't have to. You know. <laughs> yeah, we're in the future. Remember when we were the worldwide Web. Oh You'd man, that was a base. Colon double backslash. Colon yeah. double backslash. <laughs> www dot. The <laughs> hypertext transfer protocol well, into the World Wide Web. You can get tickets really easily online. Uh, Keanu.ca yeah. Holy slash cow. theater. Um, and mm-hmm. our box office is open down at Keanu College. Stephanie works at the box office sometimes. Sometimes I do when I'm not Yay. being a stage manager. And then I am a stage manager in the box office because people stop by and talk to me about stage manager things. Yeah. <laughs> of course. No, it's great. We have, uh, never we have a just really great reception no. on opening nights. Um the tickets include a complimentary champagne ticket, Ooh. and uh, and then after the show, Food. you get to mingle with the cast and crew. And the Sarage does a, a huge. The Sarage always there's does freaking amazing between, right? food. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a two act. Um, and, and and there's a bar. Bye. And bye. This, this is a thriller. However, it is rated PG, so parental guidance for those that do want to bring. Yeah, there's definitely uh, uh, there, to sound like. 
very uh, stale about it, very staunch about it. There are uh, adult themes. Adult yes. themes. Of the there 70s. Are, there so are some adult yeah, themes yeah. to be explored. They're so all really disco. <laughs> More um, than you know, Tito. The hashtag is uh, Death Trap KTC, standing for Keanu Theater Company. Uh, is there anything anyone else wants to add before we sign oh, up this oh, evening? Oh, if, if you want to come, you can sit by me. I'm going on closing night. Yay. <laughs> B15 is my I, 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 I won't be able to sit next to her. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got an extra ticket. Oh, I did want to point out that he already has a ticket to my first Keanu Theater Company production. Well, it's a good thing we got him in the door finally. Steve, you're a dick. <laughs> He, he, totally said, he totally said that he was going to bring well, it up. Well, she, she gave me an ultimatum. She's like, you you either come to an my ultimato? next play. Ultimato. You either come to my next play or we are done professionally. <laughs> Here's <laughs> an old tomato. Friends oh, off. That's, that's, Friends uh, off. I think it was Stephanie who threatened you more than me. I think yeah. so. Steph actually, yeah, she did. I, I was when, very upset. When you walked, when she walked out like, of the opening door. Night of opening night of Les Opening night of Les She's like, you actually came. Yeah, let's, let's not go into the details of this. That's hilarious. <laughs> Smacked into you because I was so happy to hug you. Yeah. Yeah. What I wanted to say is that uh, you know it's really great to have Steve on stage for the first time because I've been doing this for a few years now and you guys have sort of been wondering where all my time goes. So um, you know, it's great. This is a show with a lot of new people in it who haven't done this before, and and like I said about Keanu Theater Company, is we are a company of real people. You know, telling real stories through real performances, and and next season we're going to be celebrating 35 years in this community. Is that your guys' tagline? She said it exactly it like that yeah, twice. No. <laughs> it is. I know. I'm just making fun. That's um, my that's my job. I just wanted to speak to the fact that like I I grew up in this community. I, I probably harp on that way too much, but I guess the podcast is called the YMM podcast, so Yay. why not? Uh, but uh, it just I have such fond memories of the the Keanu Theater and and the and the visual uh, visual and performing arts center there, uh, and just like uh, just right down to the uh, the architecture of it, the brickwork, the 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 light shading above the bar and the coat check and everything like that. Like I've just got these like ingrained memories. Uh, and, and even all through school, like, uh, you know, it's I, I went to uh, Dr. Clark and then I went to comp and everything. And like, you know, the venues used for award ceremonies and, and, and perfect attendance. And, yeah. And all <laughs> these different things, uh, you know, these uh, after school, especially kind of like don't drink and don't do drugs kind of presentations where they get oh like God, Zach yes. and Baco to come and t- teach you about how to do, you know, who? It's, it's, Zach and who? Paco. I was just choosing 90s Ethnic names. diversity. Paco? Yeah. Yeah. Paco. Everything in the 90s, you had to have like Paco. one girl and one black guy in it. Yeah. No, reason. totally. Like the heart. Girls are important. The heart kid you know? from. They were bitter. Hence why they were mandatory. Whatchamacallit. Uh, Captain Planet. But yeah, no, I was just to wrap up all that uh, nostalgia. It's just like it's so enriching, so exciting to me to be on that stage. Uh, legit. I mean, uh, not to take away from any of the other times I've been in the auditorium, in the audience, on stage for this, that, or the other thing, whether it's with people watching or, you know, completely dark and you're just doing work there. Uh, now this is the first time that I've ever actually been able to do uh, a Keanu Theater Company production on the Keanu main stage, and it's huge. I think it's so exciting, and well, I just really hope that people come out to, like, experience the, the ride. Like William Shatner said when he was here a few weeks ago on that very stage, he walked out and and he was surprised. He he just said, "Wow, this is a beautiful theater. You know, you're very lucky to have this theater up here in the north." And he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Ash, any final thoughts? I'm going. 
<laughs> we are closing night B15. <laughs> yeah, that's me. No, no, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see it. Like it's it's funny because um I know that uh, like we do have quite a few things on the go all the time and, and Steve was like, Yeah, don't worry about it guys, like I'll still be there and I'll still be able to help him as he was like totally ah, underestimated. in the background, right? And like, I don't think I ever was that naive about the process. No, no, you weren't super naive about it, but I'm just trying to like, yeah, like, you know, you were you were ambitious. And hey, I've, I've shown up too. You have, I will say this, that I've been busting my ass. You not, have Not been. just for the play, but in, you have. In, in, extracurricularly in, life, in general. In general. You have literally gotten your ass like, kicked both he, on stage and off stage. Seriously, like he, like, when the very start of like death trap was happening, he was also looking after me with getting my wisdom teeth out and having a massive allergic reaction in surgery and all that stuff too. So it's just like, you know, but it's, it's funny cause like Misty went off the radar during Les Mis. So we all like knew what was going to happen when Steve would get into death trap and stuff. Mm-hmm. So and it, you, 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 uh, I would think it would be a disservice if I didn't soak into it, you know? Oh, seriously. Oh, and like, it's, it's, it's been really interesting to like, kind of watch like from home, like the, the amount of hours that are put into it and I mean I've been just... trying to play some things pretty close to the chest too you have like, he hasn't I, I told imagine... me I honestly don't even didn't even know anything about the <laughs> play that's, that's until a, I got it I imagine the play. Yeah. they haven't even told me what happens to who no that's no, true that's true <laughs> that's funny yeah I, I, but... I can imagine that some of the other players might have a different process like they might be oh, writing maybe. to it, like you gotta feed me my lines and so people know the play and, oh maybe know. but I haven't even I haven't even picked up like I haven't even picked up the script and because I want at the it. magic to wash over. Exactly, and that's that's what I want too. And I really wanted to because I knew we were going to be doing the podcast together. I really wanted to come in like as ignorant about the play as possible and really like learn about it from you guys more than anything. But yeah, it's been really interesting like to see the like highs and lows from like through Steve and just kind of like see his process through it and, and everything it's really interesting i think you know i, I like that you point on that too because it can be it can be incredibly time consuming right you know I mean? and, and how it sort of envelops your entire life but also uh, there's depending on the play because i also there's two people that are in the play that i probably only call in once or twice a week mm-hmm. and so that but they still want to be part of the experience they still want to do they go misha i don't want a bigger part because i, I still want to be able to part be part of this production but i i, I want to still have that experience and go so you know there's a lot of accommodating that happens when you're doing yeah. the play as well. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, when you got lots, when you got a big part with lots of lines, you mm. kind of have to be there. You every kind day. of have to be there every day, yeah. But that's that's what's so important, right? And I mean, like, um, it's it really has just been so interesting because. Like Steve comes home like some days and he's just exhausted and and covered in bruises, by the way. Mm. <laughs> Which That's was not for me. See, no, I like, know. I'm, 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 I looked at you and you looked at me directly <laughs> at Brody. No, Nail but, marks on his back. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, watching Brody's eyes in the audience while I was like getting uh, your hands on with Paul and everything like that. It's just so, in- so enjoyable. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, and you know, he's told me little things like that, but I really don't know and I'm just so excited to like see it come to life and I think like I never back in my hometown because I'm like originally from New Zealand we never really had a lot of plays and stuff if we did they were like came out of Auckland and there were these big talent troops and all this stuff right so like coming up here to a town that's about the same size like with a beautiful theater and like a community that's really into it it's really exciting and like I mean I've been to I'm 
this will be my third out of the four this year and I'd like never even I'd been to one play before in my whole life before before that which is so so amazing like I don't know the like <laughs> the Keanu theater culture it's just like consumed me this year because I mean like because I've gotten really close to Misty over the last year too and Brody as well so like getting and and Steph obviously but like it's really cool because like I just like I'm I might not be up there acting but I'm just part of the family what were you coming up what you were coming up an audition for something (laughs) I did audition for Les Mis but that was okay (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was terrified. It was the most terrifying oh, thing in my so, life. It's adorable. You're blushing right <laughs> I now. Am. It was terrifying. I'm remembering it. No, you out. did great at your audition. I think the issue is, unfortunately, you work at like, I had the, yeah. I, 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 seven, said eight, and six I said that shift, a million times. Right? I was just like, yeah. it's because you can't make it to rehearsals. I Don't really, worry. I was just like, <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's, it's so funny because I like I I was looking at Ellen and uh, like when I went to the audition and stuff and I'm looking at my sheet and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the dates and I'm looking at him he's like well just cross off the ones where you're working and I'm like I'm like I can't do this and he's like this is a really big one I'm like yeah I know but but you never know what the future holds yeah and I never I never auditioned for anything before so like it was it was exciting and fun and stuff so I think yeah maybe hmm. next year i've i've heard the i've heard what's coming next year and i've got my eye on one i think Ooh. We'll, we'll keep that close to the <laughs> yeah tbc yeah. uh steph final thoughts um i just want to give a shout out to two members of our of our team who don't get nearly enough recognition uh ever it's uh assistant stage manager jen townsend and junior assistant stage manager natalie farahani so uh jen has been she uh she took the uh the vpa the acting program uh at keanu before it was uh stopped <coughs> and um and so she's acted in a couple couple things on Keanu's stage, Bedtime Stories and Calendar Girls, and also has been backstage for several shows, including um, Hometown Musical, um, Les Miserables, and uh, now this one. And she uh, she's just one of those people who um, she's just so she's just so able to kind of take on a task. So like, you're just like, okay, guess what? We're doing the giantest musical of life. And I'm hard on them. <laughs> like I'm hard on them, especially during the musicals. Like I like hard on them in a good way. I think, um, you know, I, but I push them. Like I don't let them, I don't let them, uh, you know, there's no dust on those girls. Like, <laughs> especially during the musicals. Like I, I just go, okay, let's go. Like, let's go get that, get that set. Go talk to that actor. Go, go now, now. And they're like, what? And I'm like, this is how we do things. So, um, and Jen is just one of those people. Jen is just one of those people who like totally, who totally not just coming like, in a place that's scary. I think Steph's on cocaine. No, but like, Jen's just one of those people who like takes it, does it, and doesn't, and doesn't, um, complain. and doesn't complain and doesn't, you know, um, and doesn't worry about, like I always tell them, I was like, don't take anything I say personally. Like I, I'm, I'm just pushing us to get the best show possible, mm-hmm. and like I'm not mean to them. I just, but I, but I push them. And it's um, important though. Yeah, and this one's this one's quite a bit simpler for her this time, and so she's like, she's like, oh wow, this is like a lot simpler. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And um, Natalie, uh, Natalie's uh, 12 years old. And super excited. She was in Hometown the Musical and in Les Mis. And she had said to Jen, how old do you have to be to be an assistant stage manager? And Jen had said, 
Jen had said, oh, I don't know. Like, I'll have to talk to Steph. And she talked to me. And I said, you know what? This would be a good show for her to be a part of it if, like, you could be there. And so we could both mentor her and stuff. Mm -hmm. How old is she? She's, oh, she's 14. Okay. So we give her a schedule. We're like, go talk to your mom. Like, make sure your mom's cool with it. And we're like, how old are you again? She's like, 11. I'm like, oh, wow. Wait, you've said three different ages. No, no, but wait. And then she turns 12. So aging. So anyway, she. The passage in time. But she has been so great and she's so on the ball. And um, I get so much joy from both of those girls being around. I really do. I'm glad. I'm so glad because, you know, it's like. It's part of the whole experience having an assistant stage manager around, you know, giving you your props and making sure you have your stuff and doing the set changes and stuff. And it's a hard job. And you know what? It doesn't get nearly enough credit. And I remember when I was an assistant uh, in Montreal, when I was first starting out, um, you know, it's a position that people kind of tend to look over. But ask any actor, ask any actor in the world and they'll say their best friend is their assistant stage manager, like and their dresser. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I just those two girls have have done a lot of hard work. And I think I think we've caught Natalie. We've got her in our grasp. Absolutely. Get him young. Her mom, her mom came in today to buy tickets and she says, so like, how's it going? Cause she won't tell me anything. She says, no, you have to wait to see the show. (laughs) No, it's going really well. Like she's doing a really good job. So yeah. That's so good. Awesome. Anyways, that's, that's my thing. Uh, But also thanks to you. Yeah. Like give yourself enough credit. What are your, what, (laughs) what are you, what are your thoughts? You've thanked your artistic team. What are your thoughts? thoughts going uh, into I, it my thoughts are that uh, i'm the most luckiest human being in the world because i get to go to every day to a job that i absolutely love and that i've had a passion for since i was 11 years old and uh Almost like uh, much like young natalie, like natalie. Yeah. and um every like, day i get to natalie, work with stiff <laughs> like sends through the hour <laughs> i get to work with people who uh people who inspire me creatively like i've never been inspired before i lived in the most one of the most cultural cities in in the country for seven years and i have never felt as inspired as i do by being around the community in Fort wow, that's such a testament the arts, are alive. the arts are alive and the arts are saving lives you heard it here first <laughs> Misha, final thoughts. Uh, how do you follow that? I know, hey. <laughs> Thank Jen and Natalie again. Anyways, no, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just been a fantastic experience. And I must say that, uh, you know what? It was true. All the other stuff that I sort of do during the day, and I do a lot of great things like uh, I teach acting and voice and speech and, and movement and stuff like that. But I was saying the other day, and I know that you guys, like everyone comes and they have full days that they work. And they come to rehearsal and you're working another four hours. And, and I'm making demands on them and I'm requesting and requiring things from them on, on sort of a different kind of level. And it's also very a physical show. And But I'll tell you, there's no other part of my day that, that I would rather spend than... I said, I could, I could be in rehearsal for eight hours just working one scene. I just love it because it's about finding depth and about the exploration. So I must say that I, I am very fortunate, like as you say that I get to do this and and, uh, the, and and I must say that I really like being a director because I don't have lines to learn <laughs> <laughs> and it's one day I'm going to I always know my oh, own lines. Oh, directors, yeah. <laughs> they always think they know all the lines. Like, yeah, so when you're talking to them about the, about the thing over there, you can yeah, you're like, yeah, 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 just grab it. Just grab it and go over there. And uh, Missy, you do this. And he's calling people by the wrong character names. Like, you know. We, we went through that this weekend when we were shooting the stuff for Todd and Steve. I'm like, what's the line? Who says it? 
And, and, and Ash is like, you wrote this to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, seriously? I'm like, then you get down to brass tacks and doing it. And yeah. like, what? Yeah. Um, what is even? Cool. Uh, Brody? All I would like to say is uh, thanks to the podcast for letting us come down here and you know, do our jam and help promote the You show suck up. <laughs> yeah, we well, love you. Yay. Yeah. And if, 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 this is, uh, if, if this is the first time for somebody listening to the, the podcast, uh, uh, like a Keanu Theater Company YMM podcast, uh, there's no nepotism going on here. Like, I know that I'm in this production and everything, but uh, the podcast is, uh, since before me and Ashley were even part of the fold, you know, has been a strong supporter of Actually, Keanu it, Theater. It's, it's interesting because what's happened is when we started doing these uh, Keanu Theater podcasts, we, we, were, we were very not involved with Keanu Theater at all. But through the growth, through or the more uh, podcasts we did, the more interest. We, because talking about this stuff is really inspiring to those that are creative. And so, you know, we, we are fortunate enough to have creative people amongst the podcast. That, and so, you know, it just it goes hand in hand, right? And we, we feed off of each other, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's really great. I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's where true collaboration comes from in terms of not forcing it it comes naturally in terms of finding an interest in oh i've never tried this before i want to try it and then you know catering to uh your strengths as it were uh missy any final thoughts did Brody finish his final thought i think he did okay good just checking because sometimes okay (laughs) all the film okay i wanted to say that i you know i'm excited and a little bit sad uh that we're closing another season i mean it always feels uh, you get such a high when you're about to announce a new season, which is where we're at right now. Uh, and then you, you go through the season, and if you're lucky enough to be in a couple of shows like I was, um, you know, it's it's sort of this bittersweet closing. Like, we're not just closing the show on May 3rd. We're closing the entire season that we yeah. just had with Boeing Boeing. And we had Catalyst Theater's Vigilante. Then we did Les Mis. Um, and, and goodbye with Death Trap. So... Uh, I want to a good di- it's a good die actually yeah. with that truck. Hopefully it's a good death. Yeah. It's, a, a good it's gonna death. be a very good death. Yeah. A good um, death is its own reward. Yeah. But I wanna thank I wanna thank every Thanks, single Feora. person uh, that's that supported us this year, uh, whether it's artistic teams, staff at Cano Theater, our audiences, uh, local media, everybody who has been um, countless volunteer hours. Yeah, the volunteers, the supporters of the volunteers, you know their family and, and it, it really is a community effort to get up there and create some art, and I hope that we'll see everyone out for our 35th season. We have a, an exciting season announcement coming really soon, and, and and we want you to join us. Please join us. It's not... It's, right on. It, it, one it, of us. Google gobble. It's not about. It's not so much about enticing people to come and fill those seats and buy the tickets and give the revenue and the bottom line and all that stuff. It's. It's. It, that's just it. It's. It's an invitation to to join. It's a celebration. Uh, yeah. Um. I. I guess. Uh, the. The last thing I wanted to add to that is. Uh, one piece of advice of uh, I've. I've. I've gone before is that uh, fall in love with the process and everything else is just gravy on top of that, right? There's too many people that kind of chase the when it's done type thing. I have this as a credential, et cetera. And, and if you love the process, you're always going to be fulfilled in what you're doing because that's, that's where the magic actually happens. Everything else is just like it's, it's the transference of that energy to, to the crowd. Um, I would just actually, if in saying thank yous, uh, I mean, I would just like to thank everyone here on the table. I know that, uh, uh, the arts in Fort Murray have had a couple of 
bad years recently. Well, according to some articles. Yeah. Uh, well, no, yeah. And, and, and I mean... <laughs> flatlining, and, and, apparently. And, and I disagree. stuff that's been happening and stuff. But, like, I mean... The, the 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 thing is i'm i'm just i'm just really happy that there's there's people that care about about their craft and about uh about trying to inspire others so much that uh you know it, it, it's it can be tough sometimes to be inspired to to i mean it's it, it can be tough being in Fort Murray sometimes and 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 it's it's people like the people in this table and those that are involved in these productions on a yearly basis that really kind of inspire others to take take on to keep going and 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 really find their passion and and what they're good at uh artistically and fulfillment right so uh before we go uh we're just going to talk a little bit about tiff uh so tiff the film circuit uh real performances uh this week um i don't know if todd's going to post the pod yeah, on time. We, we don't know if the pod will be on time but but yeah. the 17th suffice to say yeah suffice to say the 17th we will be showing the documentary um Inside, inside, finding uh, Vivian, yeah, finding Vivian Mayer, Mayer. and uh, that will be the, a really good documentary about a photographer in New York, and uh, the uh, that will be followed by uh, the YMM short, uh, the Marmite Challenge by. Clint It'll be uh, preempted by. Yeah, preempted. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, his second submission, um, and uh, we just like to communicate to anyone listening that is a filmmaker that uh, we don't care how old your films are, or how many times you've submitted. Uh, we are we are we are looking for your there's, content. There's yeah. ba- I mean, there there's there's a submission form that has the rules. <laughs> regs and it's very simple and it's all at ymmfma.com but there's basically two major factors you have to consider if you want to submit a film it has to be locally made and it has to be under 10 minutes that's it that is it well yeah and you have to come everything to else show. goes so and that's pretty much well it might still get played even if you can't yeah and coming at the end of uh, the the film circuit for this season uh on may the 15th we will have wajah Wajida? 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 Um, that's the one out of Iran, right? It's the uh, first Saudi Arabian Saudi film. Arabia, sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the first Saudi Arabian film, uh, <laughs> and it's by a female director. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a little girl who really wants a bicycle, and, and she wants you know to find her freedom. Her yeah, I, I remember seeing the trailer. I can't even remember what country it was from. And uh, on uh, Thursday, June the 19th, will be the last of the TIFF series for this season. Mm-hmm. And that'll be The Art of the Steel, uh, starring uh, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yeah. Jay Baruchel. <laughs> uh, Mr. Canadian. Yeah, Jay. it's going to be a great, uh, JJ, Jay. great sort of crime comedy thriller. Yeah, um, let's get him to come to the screening. I always wanted to meet that dude. Mm-hmm. Jay Baruchel? Yeah. That'd be great. But yeah, please submit so there's two more opportunities. Even going on. Two more opportunities for YMM short. YMM short. So please submit at info at ymmfma.com. Absolutely, and the more support that we have, the more uh, the more uh, interest is shown, the more submissions we get, the more chance there is that it might continue. Yeah. So uh, for uh, I'm not going to drag this out like Todd does. <laughs> so for this edition of the YMM podcast, I am Tito. I'm Steve. I'm Ashley. Steph Link. Misha. Misty. And we shall see you next set. Uh, Goodbye on behalf of Totsky. The YMM Podcast. A T-Man Entertainment Production in association with Hyperphotonic Media. Find out more at ymmpodcast.com.